Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's Emily and Yolanda. Hey! We want to tell you about our amazing new course because we just launched our pre-sale. That's right. I'm Yolanda, the director of the Free Birth Society School, and I'm thrilled to tell you about the very first course we're offering, Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth. If you're interested in birthing outside the system but you don't know where to start, or you're encountering resistance or fear in your own mind or in your community, or even if you just want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, this course is for you. Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth really is incredibly comprehensive. We cover everything from how to talk to friends and family, how to navigate your choices with a nervous partner, how to get a birth certificate, what prenatal care could look like when no one else is managing you, how to identify real complications and emergencies, and let's get real, we go deep into unlearning the myths about birth in our culture using evidence-based information to relearn what normal birth is and how to prepare for it. Our intention is for every course participant to emerge with the tools to approach their free birth with confidence and the knowledge to discern what safe physiological birth looks like and in possession of the power to manifest the birth of your dreams. What's also really cool is that we offer long-term support, live group coaching, options for one-on-one coaching, and you will get lifetime access to the course material. We even have quizzes and worksheets, meditations, hypno-affirmation tracks, and all sorts of unique and helpful custom-tailored birth prep for your free birth. This course is for the woman who wants to birth in power on her own terms. We have created this course especially for you because you're standing in the very place Yolanda and I both were when we recognized that hospital birth or any form of birth in captivity just wasn't our path. So head over to our gorgeous new website, freebirthsociety.com to learn more and to sign up for the course that will quite literally change your life. excited to share with you today a truly joyful and fun story. We are joined by the wise, intuitive, and oh-so-lovely Alexandra from the mountains of Northern California. She tells us about her idyllic first birth off the grid in her yurt in the mountains, snowed in with just her partner and her wolf dog, Avalon, which wound up playing quite the role in her birth. Alexandra shares how both she and her partner used plant medicine to flow with the power of birth and tells us all about her placenta tacos. Lastly, we have a great conversation about how to learn to trust ourselves and heighten our intuition through honoring our own boundaries. So it really started when I was a young child. Um, and I decided that I was never going to have children because I was so scared of giving birth. (laughs) I, yeah, I just always told my mom, like, I don't want to have to feel so much pain. I I don't want to have like doctors around me. It just sounds terrible. I would rather not have kids and just enjoy my life. Um, and, but then I would have thoughts of like being like, um, 
like Pocahontas or something and how maybe if I, you know, was like living on the land or something, maybe I, and no one was there to bother me, maybe then I could have children. So I think somewhere within me, I always had the awareness that there was another way. Um, but I had never heard any of these stories or had it modeled for me or, um, you know, seen examples of empowered birth. So I was just like, no, fully shut off. So when I was 19, um, I had been living in LA modeling and acting and, um, had like a really spontaneous, um, awakening, I guess you can say just to the fact that there was more to life and more to who I was and what I wanted to do in this life. So I, I left LA and traveled for a while and ended up living on a permaculture farm in Ojai in Southern California, where I met two mothers, um, who had had free births. And one of them told me like, oh yeah, I gave birth alone with my partner in that yurt and that, cool. that I was living in. And to me, that just shattered like everything yeah. I had ever known. Like, wait, what? <laughs> That's possible? That's an option? Like, how did that work? I had infinite questions just like flooding through me. And um, yeah, so that was a huge turning point for me. My mind was completely blown. And I started hearing things about like breastfeeding and co-sleeping and, um, you know, holding your baby when they cry and not using pacifiers, just things that I had never been exposed to. Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful to have been exposed to a little bit of, um, just a different way before I actually became pregnant. So I, found out a few late or a couple years later after the time on the farm in Ojai, when I was first exposed to free birth and, you know, conscious mothering and all that, I found out I was unexpectedly pregnant. Oh, wow. And yeah, I, with someone I had just met, we were only together for about two and a half months. And, um, it was like a really ungrounded relationship. Wow. We were traveling and just kind of, you know, connecting as like young free people. And yeah, and I became pregnant and, right away, um, yeah, the fear came up and the thought of free birth entered my mind because I had been exposed to it. But then, you know, the fears were kind of like, just, just still present. So I thought, okay, maybe with my second child, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'll, maybe for my first one, like I'll have a midwife and, and then for a future child, I can do a free birth. So I put it off for a few months thinking like, you know, I'll just, who knows if I'm even going to stay pregnant. Like maybe I'll miscarry if this isn't meant to be. I just kind of, um, denied it. Didn't tell anyone just avoided the thoughts of having to come up with a plan because of, again, because of the fears. Um, so at about three months pregnant, I finally, um, decided to find a midwife. So I, I met with a midwife once and was like, okay, you know, this could work. So, um, we met, three times total. And it always felt unnecessary to me. I always left feeling like, okay, like (laughs) I could have just talked with a friend about all of that. You know, it didn't, it didn't really feel very helpful. Mm -hmm. And, and then she started saying things like, um, I think you're overly confident, you know, a lot of things could go wrong and labor can be really long and difficult, especially with the first baby. So I I would leave our appointments feeling more stressed Mm. and more dependent on her. Um, so kind of a, a theme throughout my pregnancy was like, where was, where are we going to live? Because we were, again, we had been traveling and really ungrounded. And one day when I was around six months pregnant, I had this really clear image come to me of giving birth in a yurt in the forest j- alone with my, my partner and our dog. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of like reawakened that 
that thought that I had as a young girl that I shared about before of like, maybe I could do it by myself or, um, you know, not have anyone there disturbing me or making it more difficult than it has to be. And I thought back to the women I had met on the farm in Ojai and, and just knowing that someone had done it, Mm -hmm. had given birth in a yurt on their own was enough for me to feel like it was at least an option. It's huge. It's huge. Mm -hmm. One story can change the whole paradigm for us. So, so many women I've interviewed have said that it was the, there was one woman Mm -hmm. who said, Hey, there is another way. And that was the, the path. And so I'm also, I'm also appreciating that in your story, your fear is not about birth itself. It's about the paradigm that you had been Mm -hmm. seeing that was so disruptive and scary and emergency ridden. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like the that the actual birthing process or what you knew birth could be was the, was the scariest part for you. Yeah, that's totally true. I I mean, I was scared of like having an IV put in my arm, (laughs) you know, I wasn't actually scared of like the baby coming out. I was scared of, um, like other people being there and, and interrupting my flow or, or stressing me out. And I'm, I'm a really sensitive person and especially in pregnancy, all women are super sensitive Mm -hmm. and vulnerable. So yeah, that was my big concern is like, I don't want other people checking me or bothering me. So, um, so I, I had this image back to the image of being in the yurt on the mountain. And I just kind of ran with it. I told my partner, like, we have to do this. Let's move to a mountain and put up a yurt and just do it and go for it. Um, and thankfully he's, he's a pretty radical and open person. Um, so he was like, okay, let's do this. So we moved from Sonoma County to Nevada city, California, and bought a piece of raw land um, lived in a military tent for a month. Whoa. And then, yeah, that was awesome. I was just like outside every day, um, spending a lot of time with myself, with the earth, um, reading, meditating, just really protecting myself Mm -hmm. from, um, all the things out there that can mess with us and, and scare us. And that was a big piece of my preparation was like being with the land, being present, um, not getting in my head, just, you know, just chilling out and, um, yeah, protecting myself Mm -hmm. even from family and friends. And that was hard for, for a little while. My family members were really hurt and upset with me for, you know, not flying down to visit or, um, you know, updating them on like my midwife appointments. So we'll get back to that now, the midwife situation. So right when we moved to the land, um, the midwife called me and left me a voicemail where she was like kind of in tears and just really distraught saying that she was concerned with how far we had moved from the nearest hospital. Oh, whoa. She was in tears. Yeah. She was like a wreck. Whoa. That's (laughs) professional. So that right there was a big red flag for me. Um, and she just said, you know, you're, you're over two hours away from the nearest hospital. It's going to be snowing when you give birth and it just doesn't feel like a safe situation to me. And right away, I mean, right when I heard her voice on the voicemail, I I looked at my partner and I was like, she's not going to be there. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. And trusting in that initial feeling was huge for me. Just Mm -hmm. like right away, I felt a no, this woman's not supposed to be there. Um, so I called her back and was just super firm, like, yeah, this is not going to work. I'm not, she tried to convince me to find a birthing center in town or rent a place closer to a hospital. And, um, and part of me was secretly so happy, like, Mm. great. Now I don't have to have anyone there (laughs) and I get to have the birth I always dreamed of. So I just told her no problem. It sounds like it's not going to work. 
thank you for everything. And that was it. Um, so she was like, I can refer you to some midwives in your area. And I just, you know, deleted, (laughs) deleted the email and never responded. And that was it. Mm. Um, so, so my partner asked me, okay, what do you want to do? you know, whatever you want to do, I trust you. And I have to give him some credit there for just really granting me sovereignty Mm -hmm. in terms of not projecting like fear or what he thought was best. He just really empowered me and was like, whatever you want to do, however you want to do this, I'm here to support you. Which should literally be bare minimum. Yeah, like that, that should be a given with Mm -hmm. every relationship from the non-birthing person to Mm -hmm. the birthing person. Yes. Yeah. Sovereignty. It's like the very basic thing. (laughs) So, um, I told him I want to have a free birth and that's the only thing that sounds good to me. So he was like, okay, let's do this. Whatever you need. I'm here to support. So I I got some books. You're like, I need a yurt. I need a sheepskin. I need a big fire. (laughs) I need plenty of firewood, spring water, a bathtub, you know, just a few basics. So, um, so then my family members started reaching out like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Are you going to find a new midwife? What are you going to do? And, um, I felt part of me felt pressured to, to kind of like make something up. But another part of me realized I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I, this is totally safe and natural and normal. And yeah, this is what I'm doing. So I shared with just three family members that I was having planning to have, you know, I said unassisted birth without a a professional or anyone there. Um, and yeah, the reaction was stress and fear and some, some fierce mama, like lioness energy came through me and just said, if you are going to project your fear onto me, I'm not going to talk to you again until Mm -hmm. the baby is born. And that's the end of it. So if you want to be in my life right now, the best thing you can do is just pray for me, tell me you love me, support me, visualize everything going smoothly, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and thankfully they were, yeah, they were honoring of that. Um, at one point, my my grandma started having a lot of fear and said, she kind of like made a little deal with me. She said, okay, I'll, I promise to not send any fears or worries out into the universe. If you can just have somebody confirm the position of the baby, like just confirm that he's head down. So I was like, okay, I can do that. So I found a midwife in town, um, who, and I had, I had already been feeling like I could feel he was head down, but I felt like for my grandma, like bless her heart. She was so scared. I just thought for her sake, I'll have someone just, but what if, what if it had been head up? Would you have just been like, it's head down? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Um, I had done research on the whole breach subject. Cause that was one of my only fears is like, what if I have, a, you know, a breach baby, am I still going to have a free birth? And I really felt just so clearly that this was how I was going to give birth. There wasn't any doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, and that might sound to some people like naive or irresponsible or overly confident, but something in me just knew that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Same with me. Um, yeah. So I trusted that. Um, And I did have someone confirm he was head down and, you know, she tried talking me out of having an unassisted birth. I just like left her off it, paid her a hundred bucks, left her office and (laughs) called my grandma and said, okay, he's head down. Everything's good. Um, and yeah. And then just went inward for the next two weeks. I was 37 weeks at that point. Um, you know, according to the whole like, um, date that the midwife had given me Uh and, and the conception date, which I knew when that was. Um, and then, 
yeah, I just went inward and connected with the land. I, I had spent kind of on a side note, but still totally related. The last several years of my life, um, a topic of huge interest has been the intelligence of the natural world and the intelligence of plants. And during my pregnancy, I was especially sensitive to this, to the intelligence of the plant world and um, was living on a raw piece of land. So had a lot of beautiful op- opportunities to connect with the earth and with the trees that were surrounding the yurt where I was Mm. planning to give birth and with the birds that lived in those trees and just with the unseen realms that so often don't get credit. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the reasons I don't like the word unassisted birth because I felt extremely assisted Mm -hmm. by the beings present on that land, seen and unseen, um, and just really learned how to open myself up to receiving the greater assistance from, from the natural world. And, and unassisted originally came as a legal term for birth certificates when they were unassisted from providers. So it's actually a system, a systemic word. Mm. Um, So we know we don't have to perpetuate that terminology because it really was actually within the system, a terminology to use when an accidental birth occurred without a provider. Mm. So it's irrelevant to, to our experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was connecting with the land and, um, just being with myself, meditating, praying, singing songs, just like I was, thankfully I had the privilege to just be still and live slowly and be present. Um, I didn't have to, you know, go to work or anything. So I was super grateful for that. Um, and so I guess now we'll get to the birth. (laughs) So when I was, yeah, so at, at 39 weeks about, Um, I was alone on the land. My partner had gone to town to get some groceries. And, um, at this point we were pretty much snowed in. There was, um, just like multiple feet of snow. No cars could get in or out. Yeah. He had a snow truck. So he was able to like deflate the tires and kind of float above the snow and it it was a two and a half hour drive. Where are you? Yeah. Yeah, we were in Nevada City, which is just outside of Grass Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were up on a mountain, like on this, what they call the ridge, just above town on like a nine mile dirt road um, that's really bumpy and not not like maintained by the county or anything. And one thing I really love about this location is that all the neighbors, all the people who live up there leave for the winter. So it was truly just us and one neighbor like 10 miles away. Because what month is Um, this? This is uh, end of December, beginning of January. Okay. Yeah. So, and I liked that. I liked knowing there's no chance of any neighbor coming over to like meet, you know, ask for something. I, again, my big fear was somebody interrupting me or like talking to me or hearing me. So, um, so I loved I gotta, the fact that we were snowed in. And I feel like I have to ask, so like how, how did you feel or reconcile or navigate, um, the reality of being mm. snowed in, um, yeah. having a wild birth, mm-hmm. how did that feel for you? Just, yeah, like the reality of yeah, uh, being totally. snowed in and, and all of that. How did you feel? Yeah. Like if something did go wrong or, um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I thought about like, okay, on a realistic ground level, like, yeah, what if my baby dies, you know, or what if something happens? And, um, And I thought to myself, like, if something 
does go differently than I'm expecting or hoping, would I rather that happen in a hospital setting where like people potentially rush my baby away from me or, you know, come in with like this emergency plan or whatever, or would I rather allow nature to take its course? And, um, and it's kind of a, a delicate, sensitive subject because I have some close friends whose babies were saved by like the medical system. And, um, but something in me was like my personal path right now is to fully trust in, in nature's plan ultimately. And like, if, you know, if my baby is, if something's going to happen, I would rather have it happen up here in nature where we can like be with the earth and have a sacred experience around whatever, it, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, I completely agree. And that was the same thing that, that I, my same journey and many, many free birther journeys. I mean, how can you not contend with the possibility of mm-hmm. death? And, um, it does for me, and it sounds like for you require, um, a really just profound willingness to mm. be wild and be mm-hmm. at the, um, at the, what's the right word response of you mm. know, what nature intends. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, we, I say it all the time that I trust in my biology and I think that many people may find that irresponsible, but I think that's like hilarious. Cause like, how the hell right. did we get here? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why would we like, hasn't biology proved itself enough? <laughs> yeah. And that was an anchor for me throughout the pregnancy and the birth. And even now in motherhood, my anchor is knowing that this is not a new, like some new age hippie thing that I'm doing. This is the original way. Like we came from the earth. We, all of the original births, most of the births ever in humanity, like up to date in, you know, happened in a wild sovereign way. And yes, sometimes things went differently than like then the mothers had hoped or, you know, things happen, but I, I feel like, um, in general, like birth is very safe and normal and natural. And, um, we've been doing this for a very long time. So remembering that there was this web of like all the ancient women who have already done this before me was so encouraging for me to know that I could call upon their energetic support Mm -hmm. and, just remembering, like, I'm not doing some new, um, crazy thing. This is totally ancient and, and normal. And something in me felt a feeling of remembrance, like Mm. every decision I've ever made in, in terms of specifically motherhood, but even just in all areas of my life, I feel like when we make the decision that the ancient like woman in us remembers it, it activates some cellular memory of like, yes, this is natural. This is how we evolved to live. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm able to relax into that. Totally. It's beautiful. I mean, we've, we've literally never not been birthing, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's, there was never a point where it like came along, you know? Exactly. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I totally hear you. So, okay. So yeah. take, take me to the birth. Okay. You're snowed in your man's yeah. at, your man's getting, getting groceries <laughs> or something. Yeah. And, um, I went outside just to go pee. So we didn't even have a bathroom. We were in a yurt, like we had running water and, and a water heater, but, um, no bathroom or kitchen. So I went outside to go pee and, um, in my underwear, there was like some like goo, It was like a gooey situation. And I thought, oh, maybe that's my mucus plug, but it wasn't bloody. So I I wasn't totally sure. Um, and I went back inside and was like, okay, um, I'll just, you know, flow with it. Maybe it was a mucus plug. Maybe not. We'll see. And a few hours later, my partner got home and I told him about it. And, um, he, he, 
let me know that our neighbor was going to be delivering our bathtub that evening because I I felt like the baby was going to be born in the next week or two. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to have a bathtub available to me, not to birth in. I I never saw myself birthing in in a tub, but I felt like it would be soothing to be able to soak if I wanted to in labor. So that evening I, I had so much energy and that's kind of like a typical thing to hear. I was just playing music and organizing and doing stuff and like coloring. And, um, and that evening our, our neighbor, the one neighbor who lived 10 miles away arrived in his truck and delivered our bathtub. And he looked at me and was like, wow, you are giving birth tonight. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I like, I feel really good. Maybe not for a few more days. Did he have kids? Why did he have that intuition? He has three kids. Okay. And he said to me, like, I've seen mothers who are about to give birth he, he's like, you're the most beautiful I've ever seen you in your life. Like you're glowing. You're just emanating this maternal like glow and joy. And, um, yeah, you're giving birth tonight. So have a great time. And (laughs) here's your bathtub. Yeah. Here's your bathtub. And he put a hose into it. He's like, you have one bath. Cause we didn't, you know, install the drain or anything. And he's like, if you need me, I'll be 10 miles up the road. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to need you, but thanks. And yeah, what would you um, need him for? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, just go. And, um, so he left and about five minutes after he was fully gone, like down the dirt road, I started having cramps in my lower back and something in me got really giddy and bubbly and excited. Like, Oh my gosh, is this, you know, is that a contraction? Mm. It, It kind of felt like a menstrual cramp. What's going on. And so I started writing in my journal about how excited I was and, um, just started riding this wave of like bliss and, and just excitement. And, um, just so in such a pure way, like there was no limiting thought in my field, just full presence and joy. Um, and yeah, they, the cramps in my lower back continued and started intensifying. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to honor this as a contraction and let me just like time it to see, you know, so I pulled out my phone and they were happening. Um, they were like over a minute long and under three minutes apart. And after, you know, timing them for just like a few minutes, I put my phone away and was like, okay, this is probably happening. So, um, I, you know, I turned off my phone completely and we turned off the generator and just lit a bunch of candles and entered like a very ceremonial space of just presence and prayer and, um, yeah, and just connection with the moment. So, um, at that point I had an urge to smoke some cannabis Mm -hmm. and it just sounded really good to me. So I did, I, um, yeah, I smoked a little bit and made some yummy snacks and just started playing some music. Um, and the next few hours were, were spent moving a lot. I could not sit still. I would like go from being at the altar to playing music, to going on a naked walk in the snow, (laughs) to curling up by the fire and just moving all around and just so much movement. Um, just like trying to get comfortable. But, um, if I sat still, I wasn't comfortable. So yeah, just, just kind of flowing with it. And, um, at one point I got in the bathtub and just soaked. And this was the, the one point of stillness was like just sitting in the bathtub alone. I told my partner, go be on the other side of the yurt. I just want to be by myself. <laughs> and that that's the best way you can support me. And he was like, do you want a foot massage? Do you want I like, love a back the, massage? I love the like being banished to a corner of a yurt too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not that many places to hide. Right. Yeah. And I didn't want to send him into the snow. You right. Know? So oh, I was that's like, nice just of go you. sit over there <laughs> and like, don't look at me and don't talk to me mm-hmm. and I'll let you know if I need 
eat anything. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so he, yeah, he went over to his side of the yard and I just soaked in the bath and it hit me like, this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming a mother and mm-hmm. this is probably my last bath alone. Aww. Like, Oh my God, this is huge. And it was, there was so much emotion that came up of just really, um, being present with what was happening in my own way. Like no one was there to tell me what was happening. Mm-hmm. I was able to just feel it for what it was. Um, well, yeah, and therefore and able to feel it even more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I was in the bath for however long I, you know, I really removed all the linear time, like stuff. There was no clock or, you know, TV or obviously, or like phone or computer. So I was just, you didn't have, you didn't have Fox news on. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no, no, no. Fox news was on. Or like Facebook open or anything. Yeah. So I, I was, I don't know, like the timing of all of this. Um, I just know it was about 7 PM when I started having the cramps in my lower back. Um, So anyway, I got out of the bathtub just feeling the most beautiful I ever have in my life. Like, oh my God, I'm becoming a mother. Mm. This is amazing. And just feeling so confident um, and free. Like I knew that whatever I wanted to do in that moment, I could do. If I wanted to just be naked, I could. If I wanted to dance or drum, I could. And that feeling of sovereignty really fueled me to just like tune in in every moment to what sounded good. Um, because there was no one even suggesting anything. I was able to fully listen to what I, what I needed in each moment, which changed literally every moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So after the bath, I got out and, um, I was calmer, but the energy was very primally intense still like full power. Um, you know, going in one direction, like things were not slowing down. And, um, my, my breasts started shooting colostrum out like literally three feet across, like in front of me. And, um, my dog Avalon, who's half wolf. So I called her my mid wolf (laughs) ran over and started licking my nipples and like drinking the colostrum while also instinctually assisting me in labor because nipple stimulation really helps to (laughs) you know, progress things. So well, she's licking. You do? Were you like, get away from me? Or were you no, I started, it? I started cracking up and giggling, yeah. which also helps labor progress, you know, laughter. Um, and her and I, I mean, we've had like deep plant medicine journeys together and lived in the woods together and gone on amazing journeys. So it wasn't that, you know, weird for us to continue <laughs> our, our journey together in this really primal, amazing, unique way. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so she's licking my nipples. She's howling as I'm like producing these super primal sounds and, um, helping me to just like come deeper into the bliss and the primal experience of it. Um, yeah. So that was a really beautiful, like key moment that I'll always remember. I'm just like picturing, first of all, it is a shame you did not have a tripod set up with a little, (laughs) with a little, what what is it called? That's my one regret. When people ask me, is there anything you would change about your birth? Like, would you have a doula? Would you have herbs there? Like, what would you do? I just say, I would, I would have recorded it Mm -hmm. because it's this, when I tell the story, I just feel like, yeah, having the image to go with it of, I mean, I'll kind of describe it. She's a white husky wolf with piercing blue eyes. Who's like super joyful and awesome. (laughs) Well, that's exactly, it's almost maybe better that, that it's just in our head. It's like in this yurt, in the snow with Mm -hmm. a wolf candle. (laughs) Yeah. And I love like picturing just your partner being like, maybe he's like crocheting a scarf in the corner. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he actually had some wachuma, some San Pedro cactus medicine that he made into a tea. And the reason for this, well, plant medicines are a big part of our life and a big part of our relationship. We met in a, in a like shamanic plant medicine ceremony. So that's been a, a strong foundation for us is the power of communing with the plants. And I really believe that it assisted him in going into a deeply intuitive state and knowing how to support me because he was, you know, had the, the presence of this plant with him, like mm-hmm. kind of guiding him on, on what to do and how to hold the space in a really, um, sacred way. Cool. So yeah, he was during the, the wolf Nikki licking my nipples part. Um, I think he was like over on the couch or something. <laughs> he didn't miss it. Did he? No, no. He saw, he was like, Oh my God, this is epic. <laughs> he was like, this is birth. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And what a healing for him that must've been. I mean, and the yeah. wolf. Right. For all of us, so for all good. of creation in that moment. <laughs> so good. Okay. So, so then pretty, yeah, pretty soon after getting out of the tub, there was a shift, like all of a sudden it was really full power. And I started actually experiencing some physical discomfort, um, in my hips was like, Whoa, how is this possible for the human body to feel this way? Like, Holy God, you know? Um, and yeah, it just was like, okay, I have to move my body and was starting to make some really primal sounds and, um, felt very, yeah, just very primal and ancient, this new energy coming through me that, um, I probably would not have felt safe to go into had anyone else been there. And that's like a huge key right there. If I ever have other children, like 100%, I will have a free birth because I know that in order to go into that super primal state of being, I had to feel completely comfortable to, to, to yell, to sing, to poop, to be naked, to dance, whatever, you know? Um, and so thankfully I, I, yeah, I had that and my partner really respected my space, but also like brought me water with a straw and reminded me to, you know, that he was there if I needed anything. And it was very simple, his way of supporting. And that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then all of a sudden I felt like the baby was coming. Hmm. There was just this, this knowing of like, oh my God, it's happening. And this pressure on my pelvic floor. Um, and one of the things I told my partner leading up to the birth was if it seems like I'm starting to push, like remind me not to push. <laughs> Cause I, I had read about how one of the issues with modern birth is like the encouragement to push before mm-hmm. it's actually time and how that can create a lot of stress in the body and, um, you know, tire the mother out. So I told him that, you know, he's coming, the baby's coming. And, um, he was like, are you sure? Remember, don't push if your body's not doing it on its own. <laughs> that was his one piece of advice and it Cute. was very helpful. Yeah. And I was like, no, I, I'm not even pushing my body's like, he's coming, get Aww. me some co- coconut oil and, and the mirror. And so I had a little corner set up with things for him to bring me when I told him it was time. And in that corner was a labor tincture, um, a handheld mirror and coconut oil. So I just lathered on a bunch of coconut oil and squatted over a small handheld mirror and Mm. he just, yeah, his head started coming out. And Mm. at this point, all the intensity of that I was describing of moving around and feeling discomfort and, um, yeah, just the, the high energy like paused and everything was so still and silent and focused and real in a way I had never experienced in my life of just like full presence, Mm. no thought, no emotion, just like primal being. 
And yeah, so I was squatting over the mirror and his head started emerging and I, and there was zero pain. I had heard of like the ring of fire, none of that, not just like total ease. Um, yeah. And his head coming out and I, in the mirror, I could see that it, it was like kind of bluish purple, which for a moment freaked me out because I was expecting like a cute little pink head. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I paused and I, I should also mention, I had not watched any birth videos in my pregnancy or been to any births. Um, I don't know why I think part of me just wanted to protect myself from potentially seeing something that could like limit or influence me Mm -hmm. in any way. I just wanted to go into it with a total beginner's mind and like, you know, just presence and openness to what my experience was supposed to be. And that really like that can really go either way. Like I think Mm. because I mean, what you are really saying to me and in your words is your deep, deep, deep sense of self. And so Mm -hmm. in your aloneness, you found your freedom in your birth. Mm -hmm. And there is such, um, like unshakable sense of self. When when, Mm -hmm. when you have that, you know, why would you need to see another birth video? Like that's someone else's birth video. Exactly. You know, whereas I think when, when we're trying to understand birth from the outside in, I'm just honoring that space in you that really, um, dove deep, deep, Mm. deep into your own sense of safety and your own sense of, um, relationship and friendship within Mm. yourself that, that this was so liberating to be, um, to be so in your own space. Mm. Yeah. And I love how you worded that, the, the whole inside out thing versus the outside in. And for me, that was, yeah, hugely important was to have this journey be from the inside out to go into my own being and learn what it means to become a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And at the same time in along that journey for a lot of people, it is an important piece to be exposed to the stories, like through, you know, through this podcast and through videos. And, and I did have that that experience with just hearing about those, those two women down in Ojai who had the free births, that was enough for me to at least, at least know like, okay, this is possible. Mm-hmm. Now I know someone else has done it and now I can go within myself and learn how to feel, um, present enough and in tune enough with my own body and experience. Um, so yeah, so I was there, you know, fully present with my body and what was happening and started seeing his head coming out. And, and then I realized my amniotic sac had never broken. My water had never broken. And I I had read a a story a few days prior in um, this book. I think it's called unhindered childbirth, which maybe you're familiar with. And I like that word unhindered, um, where she had this happen. She, her water had never broken and she felt like an impulse to break it herself with her fingernails. Um, and something in me was like, yes, I want to do that. So I just kind of, you know, spontaneously and instinctually reached in with my fingernails and just kind of like pinched the, pinched it and broke the sack. And as all the fluids gushed out, my son Zion basically gushed out with the fluids. It was awesome. His head like shot out. And then I kind of put in, I was squatting. I'm in the position right now as if you could see me, but I was like kind of showing you, um, I was squatting and I put an arm behind me and he, his body shot out, just spiraled out, like flew with this force of creation and life, um, into his dad's hands. His dad caught him and, um, yeah, it was like, oh my God, there was a baby in there. You know, this feeling of like, wait, this actually just happened. And, um, 
yeah. And then he lifted him up to me and I, I received him from, from him and held him up to my chest and was just like kissing him and smelling him, rubbing my face on him. And, and then Avalon, the dog, the wolf, the mid wolf comes over. I mean, she's by, she's by my side throughout the whole thing. She was like, she wouldn't even go outside to pee. She was super present. Um, she comes over and starts licking his back and licking my legs. Cause there's a little bit of blood. I thought it was a lot of blood. Um, just cause I didn't really know what a lot of blood was not to the point where I was concerned that I was like losing too much, but there was blood down my legs and all over my son Zion and yeah, birth um, is bloody. yeah, exactly. So I wasn't worried about it, but there was enough where Avalon, my wolf dog was stoked. So she was like, Oh my God, colostrum now blood. This, I have the best life ever. <laughs> so she started, she was licking my legs and, and then Zion, my son, um, he, he didn't like cry or, um, he was very calm to the point where I was almost a little bit concerned, like, is he supposed to do something? You know, he's just so peaceful. Um, and he was, it seemed like he was struggling to breathe a little bit and Avalon started licking his back very vigorously and he coughed up some amniotic fluid, um, when she licked his back and, you know, and then there was this sigh of relief, like, okay, he's good. He's breathing. Mm -hmm. He cried a little bit. He was moving a little bit. And, um, so yeah, then he, he, basically latched right on to my left breast and that inspired more contractions. Mm -hmm. So then shortly thereafter I was squatting, um, at the altar where, um, I had envisioned birthing him from Hmm. the start and on my sheepskin, which still has the blood stains, um, (laughs) squatting, holding him in one arm while like kind of balancing on my partner and birthing the placenta, which was very effortless. It just Mm -hmm. kind of plopped right out after a baby. It's like, you know, really, um, simple. Hmm. So the placenta came out. Sorry. Yeah. I I was going to ask what you did with it. Yeah. So we had a lotus birth, meaning we did not cut the cord, the umbilical cord. Um, I had read a book called Placenta, the Forgotten Chakra, um, just a couple months before giving birth and learned about, yeah, lotus birth and what that even is, um, the benefits to it, how to do it. And, um, I had initially desired to either encapsulate the placenta, um, or yeah, I actually, that was, that was what I had initially wanted to do, but we weren't able to get a dehydrator up to the land and we were off grid. So it didn't seem like that was going to happen. Um, so we just, we salted the placenta and put rosemary and lavender on it, put it, wrapped it in an organic cotton cloth and kept it in a little bowl next to me. Mm. Um, and just, and I was like, okay, I had, I had my plan. I was going to allow the cord to remain connected, um, for a few days and then burn through it with like a cord burning ritual that I had read about. Um, and then ingest my own placenta, eat it. So that's what I did. So for the first, um, three days, basically after that happened, we put the placenta in a bowl next to me and just got back into bed. It was like so simple. There was Mm -hmm. nothing that had to be done. I didn't like weigh him or do any kind of like tests. I just looked at him was like, yep, he's perfect. Let's snuggle. (laughs) Um, and it was 2am when he was born. So we still had, you know, several hours of darkness. We just got into bed and, and snuggled and And I just stared at him and I was wide awake. There was no chance of going to sleep after that. I had so much Mm -hmm. energy and that was a big paradigm shift for me to realize because 
what I had seen in movies was like after birth, the mother is like oh, you're struggling ruined. and ruined and, you know, drugged and, and exhausted. And I was like ready to do anything. I was like, I could give birth again right now. I can start a business. Like what, you know, what do I want to do? I can do it. Yeah. It's very, I remember it too. It's very creative energy. Like I remember mm -hmm. the night after I birthed laying in bed, feeling like I was on ayahuasca, having yep. these like rolling waves of orgasmic sexual creative energy mm -hmm. having all these epiphanies and crying from ecstasy and mm -hmm. I was like okay I have never heard anybody talk about this before yep yeah. And I love that you specifically just mentioned ayahuasca because that's, um, one of the plant medicines that I am very connected with. And that's how my partner and I met was in an ayahuasca ceremony. And that's something that I share with, with people who ask about my birthing experience is that in those moments that I described earlier, right before he was born, when everything was still and present and quiet, I experienced such profound visions of like merging mm -hmm. realms, the realms merging and like, just infinite support of all of creation mm. there with me and all the women who had ever birthed and, um, just like having my back and reminding me that everything was perfect. And, um, it almost felt like I went into, you know, the unseen realms and like retrieved the soul of my son and mm -hmm. then brought, brought both of us back together. Um, so it was a very shamanic, like psychedelic experience. And, um, I've thought about how working with plant medicines for years before becoming pregnant and giving birth, I feel was really supportive mm -hmm. in terms of helping me learn how to navigate those realms, knowing how to like remain centered and present, yeah. even when things are challenging or there's a, a vision that I don't understand or that feels overwhelming or my body's uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, that's been very supportive on my path. Yeah, I completely agree. There, there was a real weird part of my birth, very very late in the game where every time I went into the bathroom and did this certain position leaning into my bathtub, I would feel the presence of a male, old, old mm. ma masculine, um, sh shaman feeling. And it, f it did not feel loving and oh. it, it was fine. I wasn't ever mm -hmm. scared and I never felt unsafe because I have so much experience traveling. Mm -hmm. And so I would feel this confusing. It was like he was trying to confuse me. It was really <sighs> trippy. And every time I would go into the bathtub, I would do this weird thing where I would forget who was in labor. And oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was like, he was fucking with me. And, mm -hmm. and then I would move away from that position and I would be like, no, 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 these are mine. These are my contractions. I'm in labor. Mm -hmm. And then I would, but it was for some reason, I kept going back into this position, hanging into the, into the bathtub. And I would feel this this energy being like, those aren't yours. You're not in labor. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm in the underworld and that's okay. I have been here before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things I feel is most important in terms of preparing to give birth in whatever way is learning, okay, what are the tools that are available to me so that I can come back to my center and my sovereignty, no matter what arises. Like exactly. if there's a physical discomfort or a weird energy that 
that's present? Like, what are the things I can do to come back to my center and my sovereignty? Um, so that's something I've become really passionate about exploring. Like, what are the things that helped me? How can I support other women in developing their own like set of tools that can be available to them? Um, cause it's important how to know, um, how to reclaim that power in that space, especially mm-hmm. while giving birth. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's really what it comes down to is you cannot prepare for every what if mm-hmm. you cannot, um, you know, it's like a totally different paradigm to be like, Oh yeah. wait, I actually don't have to prepare for every what if I mm-hmm. can choose to rely on my resources and mm-hmm. on, you know, my, my intuition and I can mm-hmm. rely on that. And no matter what happens, um, we will first be, um, centering around my own intuition and my own mm-hmm. autonomy and, um, moving from that space, which, you know, yes. once, once you really lock that in, all of those, what ifs are just, they just don't have the charge because mm-hmm. any one of those, what ifs that happen, you know, you're going to be able to handle it. Cause what does it even mean to not be able to handle it? You know, it's right. like, of course you're going to be able to handle it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's really like letting go of control or the idea of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a combination of surrendering and releasing the control and stepping up and doing the work to cultivate our own intuition and to be present with ourselves and the land and, you know, whatever it is that for each woman feels supportive of us returning to our inner knowing Mm -hmm. and, um, that place of, of power, so, um, so yeah, so then we snuggled in bed and until the sun came up and, um, the next morning just was like, you know, kind of pre- just present with it all. And <laughs> like, oh, we have knew. a baby now. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. That's all. Um, and nobody knew. So then my, my partner went out into the snow with our satellite phone and had to like walk across the property to find service and called my, the first people was my grandparents. We had promised them that they would be the first to find out. That's cute. So my grandfather answered the phone and, and, you know, my partner told him your great grandson was born and it was so special. Um, so then, yeah. So for the next few days we remain connected, just nursing, like snuggling naked. Um, and then on the third night, we, the cord was totally dried and like black and, you know, kind of shriveled. There was clearly nothing still pumping from the placenta into sure. the baby. So we got two long candles and we burned through the cord. Um, and then the, the placenta was still totally good because I had salted it heavily and, and put herbs on it and was keeping a clean organic cotton cloth on it. So then I ate it. I cooked it on, on our fire in some coconut oil with vegetables and put it in a sprouted corn tortilla and had tacos. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So it was what, like 12 hours old or something? Well, it was the third day. Oh, you ate it the third day. Yeah. The third day. And what was really cool about that is that it, it happened simultaneous to my milk coming in. Mm -hmm. So right when I started feeling like really a bit emotionally all over the place and really vulnerable and alone and tired. And, um, like it just, it caught up to me like, Whoa, I just gave birth Mm -hmm. and, you know, exerted a lot of energy and don't have a tribe around me right now to support me. Like, Holy shit, I'm really tired. And this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, then I, I ate the placenta and all of a sudden was like new power Mm. arose from within. And I just felt so energized and clear and stable and strong. Um, so that was awesome. Ingesting the placenta right as my milk came in and the tougher parts, you know, you eat the, the fine parts, like with 
with meat, which I actually, I hadn't eaten meat for several years. So that was really, yeah, it felt so good in my body. Um, and to, I have some friends who are vegan who ask me about that, like, whoa, you were vegan and you ate your placenta. And one of the things I say is that the placenta is the only meat that comes from life, not death. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so beautiful. Um, and it's your own. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's very different. It's made for me. Oh yeah. yeah, totally different. It was amazing. So the tougher parts I gave to Avalon again, the, the midwolf and she was stoked. She didn't leave my side for like a week and a half. We Hell no. My she part- was like, I'm yeah. all, I'm going to get that yeah. placenta. <laughs> oh yeah. We were bonded and my partner literally had to carry her outside to force her to pee. Cause she didn't want to leave my side. <laughs> I bet they're very intuitive. Yeah. They are. Yeah. So, um, she totally was your midwolf. She was. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know people listening are going to think, whoa, that's kind of crazy that you ate the organ on the third day because in mm-hmm. like the typical placenta medicine rhetoric, it's like it cannot be left out. It cannot be consumed, um, mm-hmm. you know, for that long. And you are obviously an example of where that is not true because it mm-hmm. was and, and it, it vitalized you. And Yeah, based on the research I did, I if you salt it heavily, um, or you can ice it, but I didn't want to ice it while it was connected to him. Cause I didn't want like cold, sure. you know, coldness near the baby, but salting it to preserve it, um, works. So how and I'm, I'm not, was it, it wasn't dry. It was still like very spongy. Um, yeah, I, it was, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not an expert in the placenta world. So I'd be curious to talk with with people who know more about that, but it, my intuition was like, yes, this is good to eat right now. It it looked, it looked great. It wasn't like there was nothing weird about it. Well, and I mean, most people who do placenta medicine are not therefore well-versed in three day old (laughs) salted, you know what I mean? So like you actually are an expert in what you chose to do. Yeah. Um, In my own experience, I just tuned into, again, I tuned into what felt right to me. And that's the encouragement that I just give to all women is like, tune into what feels good to you. And that's the path to reclaiming our sovereignty is, is being present to enough to listen to what really feels right and healthy and safe to us. Um, because it can be really limiting to, to overly research or like overly analyze or talk to too many people. Especially, I mean, that's such a good example with the placenta that I Mm -hmm. guarantee if you asked a bunch of people what they thought you, you wouldn't get well, if you had asked me, I would have been like, do whatever you want. But most people <laughs> would have said, you know, absolutely not. You have to treat it like meat. It's going to, it could get bacteria, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. It'll make you sick. Um, so, I mean, there, there is a, a huge cost whenever we ask someone's opinion. And whenever we ask Google or a, a mm-hmm. Facebook group, we have to be um, kind of checking ourselves of, am I asking yeah. this question because I need validation or am Mm. I asking this question out of a sense of wanting to give my authority away and I'll just do Mm. whatever anyone else says, you know, or am I asking this, um, in a space of solid curiosity and I still trust that I'm going to make my own decision. You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it, because otherwise, oh my gosh, so overwhelming. Yeah. 
Yeah. And one of the, the practices that has been so helpful for me, helpful for me, and this started in my pregnancy and now continues in the journey of motherhood. Now my son is two and a half. Um, and every day there are situations that I'm like, okay, do I ask someone else for advice on how to handle this? Or like, what do I feel? And so the practice that really helps me is coming back to the somatic wisdom, tuning into our bodily response to things like, how does this feel? And, you know, right when I, whether it's a person or a situation or an option, like thinking of it and feeling it in our body. Do I tense up and, you know, contract or do I relax? And does that feel good? Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, coming back to that, to the somatic bodily wisdom, um, and trusting in that and then cultivating a relationship with it, that the more we learn how to listen, because it takes practice. It's, we've been so programmed and conditioned to turn to everywhere else, but within mm-hmm. that it's, it takes practice to, to remember how to be present with the wisdom that's within. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a, a good starting place. I feel is like, just notice, how do you feel when that option is presented to you. Totally. Um, and then, it, yeah, the more we learn how to listen and, and respond like correctly, the easier it becomes. And there's nowhere you shouldn't apply that. Like, how do you feel mm-hmm. when you've shared your birthing vision with someone in your family? You know, I, mm-hmm. I even, I've been really tuning in lately because I've been unfortunately having to spend a lot of time on social media building these, these wonderful mm. groups, but it's way more than what my energy wants to, to be putting Mm. into. And so I have noticed that when I overextend my time on social media, I, all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I have a sick feeling in my stomach. Like I Mm. actually feel a little bit ill. And, you know, of course that's like, okay, red alert, red alert. And, you know, shut Mm -hmm. it down, go outside, go on a, you know, go find a forest. But I've been really tuning into that because it's, it's subtle, but the more I've noticed it, I'm like, oh, wow, I really can't do more than like an hour max before Mm -hmm. I start to feel a little, um, yeah, a little Mm -hmm. sick. And so, yeah, there's just such a good reminder. There's nowhere that you can't apply, you know, with people or, um, products or food or decisions. Exactly. I mean, a- everything It's like, how does mm-hmm. it feel inside of you? And the more we can listen to that, the more we can literally train ourselves to compass towards feeling good. And that's, mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of like my lifelong mantra that I I'm super committed to is whenever I am trying to figure out a, an answer to something, I always just say, well, does it feel good? Mm-hmm. Does it feel mm-hmm. good? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, so it simple <laughs> that it can be overlooked. Right. But totally. And it does require a pause. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, I mean, modern society has designed things in a way that we don't have time to exactly. pause and tune into how something feels. So that's another aspect of like reclaiming our sovereignty is I'm going to take a moment to pause and notice how this feels to me before I just like rush and make mm-hmm. a decision or, or like, you know, proceed. So, um, yeah. yeah and the then this ties into boundaries, you know, being willing, we're so socialized to, especially as women to, um, be expected to give all information away immediately, mm. you know? So if someone's like, when are you due or where are you birthing <laughs> or did you vaccinate or did you circumcise? Like you don't right. answer any of that shit. Right. You know, you're allowed yeah. to say, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You can just say, I don't want to talk about it. And that mm-hmm. is like really radical, you know, like imagine yeah. even when, you know, even like anyone listening, like feel how that, feel how that feels inside of you to imagine saying to somebody, I don't want to talk about it. You know, like, <sighs> I mean, for me, it's like, I'm being rude. I'm going to offend them. Uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable. Um, 
blah, 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 blah. I mean, I can feel this stuff come up that is not necessarily true. I've just been mm. socialized to believe that I'm not supposed to have boundaries, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, whether it's with family or, or strangers at the grocery store. And mm-hmm. it's, it's anyway, so it just totally goes back to that somatic experience and how yeah. deep it runs. Yeah. And pregnancy is, is the perfect time to begin practicing setting those boundaries. Because if people are coming at us during pregnancy with concerns, I mean, certainly when we're, you know, mothering later down the line, it's going to continue. So I was just talking with a woman who I'm, I'm working with right now and helping her to prepare for a free birth later this year. Um, we were talking about this because she's having projections from her family right now. And I told her you totally have the power to say my, the birth professionals that I'm working with have advised me to not talk about this with you (laughs) and to not defend what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and to not explain. You can do your own research, but I have a limited amount of energy right now and Mm -hmm. it needs to go toward growing my baby and taking care of myself. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. So it really is. And it really can be that simple. And we don't, Mm -hmm. you don't owe anything to anyone. Right. Except, you know, maybe to have some darn boundaries while you're pregnant because you're poor baby, you know, and really exactly. I would, I would argue to start these boundary settings way before you're pregnant. Oh <laughs> right? yeah. So that then yep. it's not this massive learning curve mm-hmm. because yeah. we already know, right? Like we, we have a society that feels entitled to pregnant women, um, already to women and then even more so, um, and in, in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, boundaries are huge. And, and, and just bringing it back to what you said, feeling what it feels like to mm-hmm. push because here's the thing. We all have boundaries. We're just not honoring them. And right. so you can feel in the grocery store when someone asks you a personal question and then you give away your information or it's online or it's to your mom or whatever. You can feel if you take a second and do that pause that you're talking about and tune into your system, you can mm-hmm. feel where your boundaries are and you can feel yourself extending them. And mm-hmm. so what, what could it be like to take that pause and then say, you know what? I've decided not to talk about this. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for your curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. or we'll talk about it later. You know, it's, yeah. it's so, so powerful. Yes. yes. And it's, we rewire our brain, like literally our neurological pathways. As we practice taking that pause, it becomes more natural. Like totally. when anything's asked of us, we can take a pause and feel it and listen and tune in and then decide how to, how to respond or if we even want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm. Sovereignty. Uh, yes. I'm going to get it tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your story. It's so good. Mm. It's so juicy and rich and just, just it's truly a wild birth and so mm. perfect in its simplicity. And I could totally picture it the whole time and um, just a total treat to, to have you on today. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm like I said at the beginning, I'm just so honored to be here with you and to be sharing with all the people listening. I I think it's so important to normalize all of this and to offer stories that are different than what the masses and the media are are sharing with us. Um, so that women know like, yes, we are allowed to reclaim our sovereignty and there's information that can support us in that. There are other women that we can reach out to, like for everyone listening, I'm available. I'm on social media. I have a website. You can 
can totally reach out to me for just extra, like whether it's validation or support or information resources, um, because it's very helpful. Yes, we have that innate wisdom and knowing in every situation we have what we need within. And there are moments throughout our lives where things can feel confusing or unclear. And, um, it's really helpful to know that there are resources and, and people who are making it their lives work to, to support us in reconnecting mm-hmm. with our innate wisdom and our, with our primal instincts. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, you are a blessing to this planet. Thank you for sharing. And I love <laughs> your story. You. And um, I will I will link when I post the episode, I'll I'll have a link to your amazing Instagram of your of your beautiful <laughs> wildlife. Mm, thank you so much. You are a blessing to this world as well. And I'm I'm just so glad to be connecting with you. Yeah, me too. Long overdue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, girlfriend. Take care. Mm, thank you. You too. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.